Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. There is a simple process for transforming confusion into clarity and pain into peace. Find out how on this episode when I meet with community leader and best-selling author Heather Ash Amara. Through her work, Heather Ash has helped hundreds of people. And by sharing her own life stories with us on this episode and the tools for transformation, she teaches us how we can utilize the warrior heart process and positively change our lives. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Thank you for joining me today. I'm thrilled to have you on The Spark. Good. Yes, I'm happy to be there. And I was just laughing at how, like, I have a podcast called Sparks Radio, and, like, there's so much spark fire stuff in my world. So I was like, yay, this is going to be super fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am really yes. excited to talk with you today and, and talk with you about your book. The, the other thing I really want to talk to you about is you shared in the beginning of the book your six-year mentorship with Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements, who I know that book has changed so many people's life and influenced mine. He's a Toltec teacher, a Toltec Indian, and taught the Toltec way. Share with me how that has impacted you and your own journey. Oh, it's had such a huge impact on my journey. I actually had a dream about Miguel. So I had this dream of somebody who was going to come into my life and really change it. And about a week later, someone came into my office and said, oh, my God, you have to meet this man. And it was Don Miguel. And at the time, there was no book. He was teaching different programs across the country. And so I was really blessed to get to step in and apprentice with him. And the Toltec teachings had such a big impact on my life because they're so simple and so clear instructions around how to really manage our mind and and learn how to open our hearts in a really simple way. So I'm, I'm really grateful to the Ruiz family and to Miguel, and I'm really blessed to get to continue to teach with them and write books with them and play with them in the world. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. tell me a little bit about just your own journey, how you got to that place and just your own searching where that brought you to. Hmm. I was blessed to be raised in Southeast Asia. So I traveled all over the world when I was a kid with my family. And we literally moved every two years and went around the world every single year and visited someplace we'd never been. So I had a really diverse growing up. And when I came to the United States, I had this intense sense of disconnection. And I couldn't, I didn't know what that was about, but I knew something was not right in my being. And I got into politics really big for a couple years. So I started getting really becoming an activist and and doing a lot of social justice work. And I realized about two years in that there's still something missing. I was angry. All my friends were angry. Nothing was really changing. And that's when I started studying different spiritual traditions and, and getting really curious about who were my ancestors. What did my ancestors believe? So I started with European shamanism and studied in that work for many years and taught that work for many years. And I had that same feeling, something's missing. I don't know what it is, but I'm missing a piece. And that was when I had that dream about Miguel. And so my work is so much a blend of just life experience and learning as I go along and 
and then these incredibly rich ancient teachings and learning how to update them so they're really accessible for people and for the modern issues that we're working with now. That comes through so clearly in this book. I have to tell you, I picked it up and just have loved all of it. I resonate with it so much and it's such a beautiful practice. And my, my intent is to really start working on integrating it into my own practice. So it, it truly is moving. So let's talk a little bit about the warrior heart practice and how to transform confusion into clarity and pain into peace. What is your definition of a warrior heart? Mm. For me, the warrior energy is about courage, presence, persistence, patience. It's that really still centered place is warrior and, and action. And then the heart energy is about our compassion, our opening, that place of softness that I think we need to really balance inside of us. So it's having the courage of a warrior and the compassion of our heart and learning to deepen those qualities inside of us. Well, it sounds like that was part of your own personal journey, that as you were this activist and someone that was in touch with, sometimes I think we think our anger can be that powerful place and, and learning really to move from that place and oftentimes from our head down into our heart. And that being exactly. really where the courage lies to, to go down into that place, like you're saying, and find that compassion for ourselves and, and do that deeper inner work. Yeah, it's so true. I was so warrior in the beginning of like pushing and forcing what I would call an excess of warrior. And we're in a culture that has an excess of warrior right now where there's a lot of forcing and controlling and trying to make things happen. And so my journey has very much been around holding those the best qualities of the warrior, but bringing in more compassion, more sweetness. And it just makes it so much better and more effective, truly to learn how to surrender and open to possibilities. Well, and the beautiful thing about that too is that a warrior and then this compassionate heart, they, they don't have to be two mutually exclusive states. What I'm hearing you say is that they are, uh, they are one. They can really be one and Absolutely. serve us the best. Yeah. Yeah, together, exactly. Well, and I love the analogy that you use in the book, the four chambers of our heart. And that each one of these chambers is where these practices are done. Can you talk a little bit about those four chambers and what their purposes are? Yes. I think about it that our heart, you know, you don't say about your heart, I like my left ventricle best. It's the best part of my heart. Like, you know, the entire being of your heart is incredibly important. It's really the same thing with the four chambers. We're out of balance in a way. And so the, using all four of the chambers helps us to come back into balance. And those four chambers are the feeling chamber, the story chamber, the truth chamber, and the intent chamber. And how, when you're out of balance, when you're confused about something, when you're suffering or struggling with something, when you're feeling overwhelmed, how you work the practice is you start in the feeling chamber and ask yourself the really simple question, what am I feeling right now? And this is different than the story. So you have to kind of say to your brain, I'll get to you, we'll go to the story in a minute, to come into the present moment with your body. What is going on in my body right now? What sensations do I have? And it takes practice to separate out the story from the feeling, because for most of us, they're super tangled together. 
and we can keep a story and a feeling going forever because they just ping pat pong back and forth. So we're starting that process of separating out. What am I feeling? And then the next question, the second chamber, what's the story I'm telling myself? And you have to be willing to be honest about what's actually going on in your head. So I encourage people not to make a better story or to you know, say, well, I shouldn't be thinking that or I shouldn't be feeling that way. Just go into the mess of whatever your mind is doing, whatever the judgment is, whatever the fear is, whatever the struggle is, and that you're wanting to go in as an archeologist. So an archeologist wouldn't go on a, on a trip and find a piece of a pottery shard and go, I've got it, we're done here, I found the shard. You know, they're like, okay, we've got the very top layer and let's start digging. It's the same thing in the story chamber. You want to start looking at what is the depth of the story and, and get curious. And then you step into the truth chamber. And the question in the truth chamber is what is true here? What's actually true? And what most of us do is write a better story and call it the truth. So to learn to ascertain the difference between the story and the truth means that one, this truth is always incredibly simple. I think about it, it's one sentence with a period. And also the body, there's an opening that happens, there's a relaxation, there's a knowing that happens in the body when we hit a truth. Even if you don't like the truth very much, you still are like, yep, that's true. <laughs> so learning how to, to separate those two out. And then the, the fourth chamber is the intent chamber. And that's one word where you're willing to put your energy, where you're willing to commit to taking action from that lens. I think of it as your North Star. And so one word can be love, could be compassion, could be play, could be pre it can be anything at all. That's your intent. And then you circle back. You take the, the guidance now, these new allies of your intent and your truth, bring it back into the story chamber to look with new eyes, to see what needs to happen with the story. What's the action? What, what can be cleaned up and opened? so that you're inspired rather than being held back by your story. And then we always close in the feeling chamber to, to come back into the present. This is really a deep retraining of how we navigate the world. Oftentimes, in my experience too as a therapist, is that people come and when they tell their story, it's the story that they've been telling themselves, or when we get to what their story is underneath the feelings, it's a story that they've told themselves so many times that they believe it as truth. And, and exactly. I imagine that can be some of the difficult work is how do we discern the story from the truth? And as you were saying, it's more just like a sentence. So it's bigger than a belief. Like a belief oftentimes is just that story we've told ourselves so many times we think it's true. But the truth is it's not synonymous with belief. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it can be challenging sometimes to separate out because as you're saying, we tell the story so often, we've so convinced ourselves, it's become our identity. We're determined to hold the story and for people to understand our story. And we have often, we've built in this, this, I need to be right. I need to prove my story right. So there's a way that getting to the truth, you almost have to start with, okay, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to not know. I'm willing to let go of the identity that I've created for myself to see what else might be here. And often when you've suffered enough, you start getting more willingness to go towards the truth. Well, and I yes. love that. I love that quote that you have in that chapter about the truth chamber by Byron Katie, that nothing you believe yes. is true and knowing this is freedom. 
And it is about exactly. doing that deeper work. And as it you is. said, you know, digging deeper and, and excavating what that deeper truth is inside of us. I'm wondering if you would be willing to share one of your own experiences or an experience of someone you've worked with to better illustrate so people understand how does this process work and how has it affected your life or maybe how has it affected someone's life that you've worked with? I haven't shared this for a while, so I have a really great story of my own. And I can also share other people's stories of their experiences. But this was the moment when I went, this process works. Because if I can unravel this, like, we're good. So I had been talking with a friend, a really close friend of mine for a couple of years. And we had been talking about possibly dating and like really getting to know each other. And I felt like such a mature woman because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not moving in with him. I'm like getting to know him. And we were very slow in this process. And about two years in, I made the decision, I'm in. I want to check this out. At the same time, he made the decision, I'm out. I don't want to go further with the exploration. And so we were going to Mexico. I was teaching a course in Mexico that he happened to be part of the certification program. And so I'm all excited. And he walks into where I was staying and I'm like, okay, I'm in. Let's like, can we spend a week together and just really go in? And he goes, um, okay. And I was like, oh no, what's wrong? And he said, but I have something to tell you. There's someone here I'm really attracted to. And I think there's somebody better for both of us. So yes, painful. And there's like history with my ex-husband. And like, so it, there was a big story. And then I got to spend the next week teaching him while he fell in love with somebody else. Oh. So yeah, it was, it was lovely. Like I did such a good story with this one. So there was a day when we were going someplace and I said to him, can we go spend some time together? And he said, no, I'm already busy. I can't go with you. And that was like dagger to the heart. So I immediately was like, sit down. What are you feeling? So I removed myself and I sat. And the major feeling was this intense disappointment. And I noted it and I'm like, you know, this is an old feeling. Like this feels like I've had this as a child. So I just hung out with the disappointment for a while. And then I went to the story. What's the story? And the story, this is the thing, the story chamber is usually really noisy and there's all sorts of things tangled up. So, you know, I'm never going to be in a relationship. I'm never going to find someone like my ex-husband. Men are always picking younger women. It's so ridiculous that I'm dating at this age. What am I thinking? Blah, blah, blah. So all this content, all this noise. And then I went and I just waited. I'm like, yep, anything else? You know, the committee in your head, anything else you guys got for me? And then I went to the truth. And what's important when you step into the truth chamber is that you get really quiet and wait for the truth to bubble up because your mind's going to try and like tell you what the truth is. But if you get quiet and wait, insights will arise. And so what came first was he gets to choose. And I felt this like, I don't like that. But I felt this sense of like, yeah, he gets to choose who he loves, period. And then I get to choose. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. I get to choose what I do next. And then I went to the intent chamber and my intent was unconditional love. To be really, to really do my best to show up 
with the situation, love myself, love what was happening, went back to the truth, went back to the story. And I sat with it for a while. And the story tried to hook me again, which it will do. Like, here's all the evidence. And again, I got quiet. I waited. I pulled in these allies of my intent for unconditional love, my truth. And what arose was so fun. The universe loves me so much. It's giving me a PhD in letting go. And the moment I saw that, everything shifted. I was like, all right, I can do this. This is going to be rough, but I can do this. Because instead of the universe is against me, I'm doing it wrong. It's my fault. It was just like opportunity, baby. You know, you didn't do so good with the ex-husband. Can you do better this round? And when I went to the feeling, it was fascinating because I still felt disappointed. That hadn't shifted. But I just recognized, of course, I feel disappointed. This is a big thing. And so I was just able to love myself, stay with the disappointment. And the disappointment just dissipated over the next couple days. It didn't make the situation go away. But my perspective and my capacity to show up with myself in the situation completely shifted. And that was 20 minutes. Wow. So. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. It's such a intimate and just really beautiful transformation of how it's not about ignoring your emotions. It's not about shoving down and saying, no, this really isn't happening or I don't want to feel this anymore. I love that when you circled back around, you were still feeling it. It really is about embracing whatever shows up. So you weren't saying, okay, here's the disappointment. Now I'm going to go through this process so I don't feel it. It was almost, I'm going through this process so I can experience this in a different way and really hold on to myself in a different way. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So beautifully said. And sometimes, I mean, a lot of times I found when I do the process, I do end with a sense of relief and openness and clarity, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you realize, oh, I have grief. Wow, I hadn't seen that before. And you know that you've got the next level to work with yourself at. So it's a really beautiful process of honesty with where you are now. And really, I think my work now is just boiled down to how not to abandon yourself. 101, like it's just the foundation of what I think we're all learning how to do right now with our emotional body and with our stories. So that we don't just, number one, take our stories as this is the definition of me, that who I am is beyond that. And really, we're the ones that keep putting the equal signs to our stories and us, that somehow that defines us and that's the truth. So it's moving beyond that to this greater truth, this essence and deeper connection to who we are in a much more spiritual sense and to a bigger connected sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly it. And learning how to, in a way, become the hero or the heroine of our stories, that we're using our stories and our challenges to grow ourselves, to learn, to become more intimate with ourselves, to become more resilient, to become more flexible. And, you know, I think sometimes we have to be careful in healing and spiritual traditions because there's this storyline, there's this bigger story that says, Well, if I just fix this, then I'll be happy. If I just make this go away, or if I cut this part of myself out, or if I'm broken and if I just fix it, then everything will be fine. And that is such a damaging story to realize instead that that we're all in process and we, we really need to learn to show up with where we're at rather than where we wish we were or we think where we should be. And same thing with the world. The, the biggest suffering we often create is they should be different. 
they should be making a different choice. The world should be different. And I love Byron Katie has a great line of like, you can argue with reality, but reality is only going to win 100% of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, That's yes. beautiful. Exactly. One of Byron Katie's books is Loving What Is. What is, yes. Yes, because the, the isness is the mess. You know, I can't say how many times I have said if I had a bumper sticker, it would be life is messy. And, yes, exactly. and to love the mess. I mean, that's the dot, dot, dot and love the mess. And so I think, too, if, if we were able to acknowledge that within ourselves, that we don't have to be perfect, that it's OK to be messy and not have it all together all the time, then we wouldn't maybe project that as much outwards you know, this, this kind of us and them. And it, it's such a dual edged sword, I think, too, because we see this media and this world that's trying to show an image of you need to be or you should be always happy, always have it together, always be in the most beautiful car and look like you're, if you're a woman, 26, if you're a man, this fit athlete. And that's what it means to be happy. And and so somehow it's, it's also then we, we don't want them to be like that. That's threatening to us. And yet we don't want anyone to be a mess either. If they're messy, then they're judged. And then they're, they really are the other. <laughs> so it can really get into this kind of lose-lose instead of the win-win as we embrace our own internal struggles and sitting with some of these more difficult emotions. That's where some of that inner peace comes from. And that acceptance love in ourselves is what we can extend outwards. Yes, I so agree. And we're, you know, we're in such an interesting time right now because you know, I feel like as, as humans, we, we have this tendency to create this image of perfection of who we should be and then compare ourselves to it fiercely. And now the comparisons are getting really even more intense because of the media and the Instagram, like everybody's happy all the time. And so it creates this, this even bigger split between ourselves of comparison. So to use something like the warrior heart practice, or it's, it's an inquiry practice. It's an inquiry practice to help untangle where the knots have gotten tied together so that we can have more spaciousness. And my prayer is that as we continue to do the warrior heart practice, and I always remind people, it's not called the warrior heart finish. It's called the warrior heart practice. So you keep practicing it over and over again. And I was talking to somebody else today of like, flossing your teeth, brushing, you know, like the, the places where we know that we need to do cleaning constantly. You don't wash your dishes once and go, I'm so glad I washed my dishes. I never have to do that again. Or like I went for an hour walk today. I'm good. I never have to take another walk or exercise again. Like we know that's ludicrous, but then we expect to pick up a tool that will just change everything and we don't have to do any more work somehow. So to take these important practices that I feel like are being downloaded now for us to untangle so that we can become clear because there's so much that we are each needed to give our gifts, to bring our insights into the world. There's so much that we're navigating right now in terms of social justice, environment, politics, and, and it can feel really overwhelming. And so my prayer is that people use something like the warrior heart practice to create the space so they can listen to what's my action. Where do I plug in? How do I feel empowered rather than feeling overwhelmed or hopeless? Beautiful analogy to taking care of ourselves through brushing our teeth or exercising. And what that made me think of when you said, you know, it took you 20 minutes to come back to this place. 
where there was room within you, where you could hold yourself in, in compassion and love and hold the situation in that unconditional love. If we exercise 20 minutes a day, I'm really healthy, you know? And, and so what if we did this practice every day? It, it's like an exercise for our heart and soul and our mind. Yeah, that really resonates with me. Yeah, it's so true. It's a great way to think of it because it is. If we did something like this 20 minutes a day and you untangled and untangled, oh my gosh, we'd be rock stars. We'd be like creative mavens of fire out in the world of like, all right, this is what needs to happen. Let's go. <laughs> and, and I just think that's what we need now is more creativity, more courage, and more looking at situations from a different point of view because we tend to get stuck in the way that we respond to challenges. And the challenges aren't going to go away, but how we respond to the challenges can completely change. How has it gone on to change your life when you've utilized the practice or when others have utilized the practice? What have you seen or experienced? Yeah, I can share another story. I've been doing podcasts with people of just running people through the practice. It was kind of an experiment and it totally blew my mind. So these are people I don't know. And they would tell me just a little bit about what was going on with them. And then we walked them through the chambers. So this was a woman who had had a trauma in the military. And that was all she told me. And so we started off and I said, okay, feeling chamber. How do you feel? When you think about the trauma that happened in the military, how do you feel? And so she started talking about, I feel ashamed. I feel guilty. So we just sat with where's the guilt? Where's the shame? And then she said, I feel anxious. And she started panicking. She started going into to anxiety. And I said, just breathe into the anxiety. Just stay with it. Where is it? It's in my chest. So she was able to be with it and stabilize in like, yep, that's what anxiety feels like. Your support means the world to us. Hi. It's Dr. Natalie Phillips from Connecting a Better World. Everything we do here at NOCO FM is member-supported. From the music we play to our original podcasts and live shows, all of that costs money to produce, and we can't do it without you. Become a member today and invest in the programming you enjoy so we can create more together. Learn more at noco.fm. we went to the story and I said so what's the story that you're telling yourself about the experience and immediately I shouldn't have been out running by myself I shouldn't have had earphones in and after it happened I should have told someone right away so it didn't keep happening and so immediately I was like oh baby like total blame yeah. and but I fell into it and I'm like there's something else here and so I just asked her a question I said have you ever had a situation where you were abused and you didn't reach out for help. And she said, oh yeah, I was in a domestic violence situation for many years, which is why I went into the military. And I said, so let me get this straight. You were in an, an abusive situation. You went into the military to get your power back and you got abused. And she said, exactly. And I'm like, all right, now we have the bigger story. And so then we went into the truth chamber and where she started with and sometimes it takes us a while to like really hone down into the truth. But where she started with is, I should be able to run and not get hurt. You know, I should be able to be out in the world and not get hurt. I should be okay. And I just sat with it with her and it felt like, okay, this is as far as we can get. So I just 
I had intuition again. What's your intent? Let's just go to the intent chamber. And her word was safety, safe. I want to, I want to feel safe. We went back into the truth chamber and I said, what else do you see? People shouldn't beat other people. And I was like, true, but there's something else. And I need to share this with you. I said, sometimes the world isn't safe. Yeah. That's just true. Yeah. And th- it was one of those moments where you, you hand the truth to someone, like you show the truth to them and they're either going to go boom or they're going to open. And she just opened. And I said, how do you feel? And she goes, oh my God, it wasn't my fault. She's like, I get it. She just got, it just shattered everything. The whole story just went away. And then she went back into, when we went back to the story, she's like a little kid. She's like, oh my God, this is the best. I create my safety. I don't have to create safety outside of myself. She's so ecstatic because she understood it wasn't her fault. And her attempt to try and make the world safe was what was causing the suffering. She just had to figure out how to make herself feel safe. And she went, when we went into the feeling chamber, relief, openness, excitement. And she said to me, she's like, I've been in therapy with the VA for years and I haven't been able to unravel this. And she said, you didn't ask me what happened, which is why I was able to clear it. Because somebody had been asking her, tell me the story again, which of course would just dramatize her. So it was, a, it was an incredible unravel. And she understood she wasn't going back into a safe world. But she also wasn't going back into an unsafe world. She was just going back into the world, period, with her now responsibility and joy to find safety for herself. So Amazing. beautiful. Yeah, it gave me the chills as you were telling that story several times. And the fact that, yes, she was able to reclaim her yes. own personal empowerment that no wonder if, if we think we have to make the world safe, what a helpless and just hopeless feeling. And, and no wonder she was experiencing all that anxiety. It reminds me of my dad used to tell me as a little girl, we can't live in fear. You can be aware. He'd yes, always say, you I know, the, the thing of there's nothing to fear but fear itself. Switch that. Just like you're changing the channel on a radio dial. And you can be aware. So that, that awareness can be part of our power. Awareness not having your headphones in when you're out for a run or awareness. There, there are ways that I can be safe and be more aware without being hypervigilant or in that state of panic. That is just beautiful. Thank you for these examples because it really, really brings it home where people can see that it doesn't have to be the next five years in therapy. I've always said one, one of my jobs is to work myself out of a job. Yes, Absolutely. So, Heather Ash, what is part of what you're doing now with this work, with the warrior heart practice? How is this expanding in the world? I started, before the book even came out, I started training practitioners. So I have a group of about 100 facilitators and coaches that are trained to use the practice. And that's been really fun to like work with therapists and to, and to get the feedback of how incredibly it's working within their practice. And then people, we also have people that are out teaching courses and, and uh, workshops. And I'm also starting to teach workshops and then continue the, the leadership training around how to bring the warrior heart practice into people's either coaching or therapy work or social work or to bring it to their community. So I think, again, it's just such a valuable tool that I want to help get it out in the world as, as much as possible. And I'll also start teaching workshops probably this summer around the practice. I weave it into a lot of the things that I teach now as well, the workshops and the events that I teach. It gets woven in 
too. So Well, and how would someone find out about those events? How could someone find you? Best way is my website, which is heatherashamara.com. And there's a lot of info. And so what we recommend now is there's a button at the top that says start here. So if you're new, that's a great place to start because I'm one of those people that I'm like, here's more information and here's more information and here's more resources. And people are like, whoa, 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 too much, girl. <laughs> you know, either people are super excited because they can immerse or they're like, I need the start point. So if you need a start point, start here. And Beautiful. that's helpful. And, and Amara is A-M-A-R-A. Correct. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all, all the places. All the places. And the book is available <laughs> on Amazon. It is. It's Amazon. Basically any online and any physical bookstore, like your local bookstore will have it as well. It just came out three weeks ago. So it's perfect a brand new timing. little baby book still. This yes. is perfect timing. Wonderful. Yeah. One of the things, would you share with us, if, if you were to give... The audience, just what kind of the essential message is of the importance maybe of doing this practice, what they may look forward to gaining. What is the essential message you want them to receive? That you're not broken, <laughs> that just like everything needs to be cleaned and cleared, that the internal process, it's, it's really simple of do your cleaning work, look at what arises that it's not going to make the challenges go away. Sometimes we're like, if I do it right, I won't have any challenges. No, the challenges are going to happen, but you're going to clean any of the stories between you and the challenges so you can meet the challenge head on. And I always like, you know, I, I always like to get people to the point where they're like, you are a worthy challenge. Hello. Because you know the challenge is going to strengthen you and make you more fluid. And, and even if it's really hard, like my situation that I talked about, I also really got, this is going to help me in the long run. This is going to be a gift. And to also do more of what you love. Find what you love, whatever that is, at a deep level and do more of it. Because that connects you back to your soul. It connects you back to your heart. And that's a nourishment. So... You want the warrior part of the cleaning and the heart part of the yummy nourishment. We need, we need all of it. Yes. Thank you so much. Th this book is such a gift and your work is so wonderful. I just am thrilled to have you on the show. I'm excited for the work you do. I mean, I was just reading. I'm like, yay, she worked with trauma. How awesome. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's so been, important. Yeah. It's been such an amazing journey and I'm so thankful for this book and this is going to be on my personal bookshelf and thank you for the personal yeah. gift of this work as well, because it Absolutely. is just really touching my heart. Mm, good, sweetheart. I'm so happy. And thanks for all the gifts that you bring into the world and the podcast and the work that you do. And the yeah, it's just been a joy to get to see the light that you bring into the world. So thank you. heart practice is a phenomenal practice. What a gift that Heather Ash has given us. And it truly is a simple process that has deeply profound results. The beautiful analogy of going into our heart and utilizing all these four chambers to help us heal, that we go through 
the first one of identifying our feelings and the second one of getting in touch with our story and excavating our story to find the deeper stories we may be telling ourselves and then moving into the truth and really understanding that the truth is different than our story and then moving into the chamber of intent and really understanding that chamber's purpose. And then as we circle back through and reintegrate those, we're able to really come to a place where we more deeply understand ourselves, have self-love and compassion in a new, deeper, and more profound way. It really helps us on this journey towards inner healing and through being able to feel our feelings. It gives us wisdom, knowledge, and a chance to heal our hearts Life is a journey and we're all in this together. We can all benefit from befriending our true warrior hearts. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO FM. 